right, welcome back to the podcast. I know I've taken a little bit of time off, but I'm back now, and I'm going to get this hitting out every single way. I am going to skip the sections that we missed out there. So we missed the beginning of World War I with this American history class, but we are going to talk about the end of it today. So it took a little while for America to get involved, as you guys have seen through your readings, but once we did get involved, we kind of helped establish how this was going to end. The first thing that we set up was something called a convoy system, or we helped set up, which was our warships, ours and Britain's and France's warships were being attacked by German U-boats. So we put so many boats around our warships with nothing in it to protect them so that they would get hit first. This is a huge success, and what it allows for is for goods and you know, the front lines to basically be resurfaced on the other side. Now, one of the biggest struggles that America had coming in is right before they came in, Russia backed out. So the Eastern Front is gone. As the Eastern Front is gone, uh, Vladimir Lenin takes Russia out and he says, listen, we're this is all backwards and all mixed up. We're not going to do this. They back out on March 3rd of 1918. Now the United States is going to jump in and kind of get through everything. They're going to kind of work through all these all these issues and all these different things. Although the allies are going to want to use the U.S. soldiers as a part of their front, American, so American General John J. Pershing, he is insistent. The Americans are still an independent force, and we're taking orders from nobody except for our people, and we're going to push through in that way. The Germans are pushing really hard. They're actually gaining serious grounds through this trench warfare. But there's a problem. They have these counterattacks coming from the Allies, and also they're just exhausted. They've been constantly fighting for four years, and in that time, they just can't keep pushing forward anymore. And as they can't keep pushing forward anymore, and the arrival of the American troops, they're able to switch the tide of this war. So the Americans don't win this war for anybody, but their late surge helps. You know, it's, you know, if you play. If you play sports, it's that fresh guy off the bench coming in that has all this energy after everybody else has played the full the full time. It's that fresh guy that really makes the difference here. And so as the American troops keep pushing on and helping add to the advantage that France, Britain, and Italy have started to gain, they really keep pushing forward. And as they push forward, eventually on November 11th of 1918, Germany has no choice but to surrender to the Allies, and the war is over. <clears throat> the war was not without uh, sacrifice and consequences, however. Uh, five million Allied uh, soldiers, or, yeah, soldiers are going to pass away. Eight million Central Power soldiers are going to pass away. Six and a half million civilians who are just citizens on the street, they are going to pass away. The United States loses, they sent about 1.4 million over 230,000, or uh, 1.4 million of the U.S. soldiers are going to serve on the front lines. 50,000 of them only lost their lives. They actually had a very low death rate compared to all the other nations. They were also in it in a lot of different ways. So after this war ends, it becomes this question as to what is going to happen with the rest of Europe. What's going to happen here? And Woodrow Wilson, who's the president of the United States at this time, he steps in and says, listen, what we want, we want this to be the last major war that we have ever fought in this world. And because we want this to be the last major war we've ever fought in this world, we want peace 
without victory. What he is saying is that we just want this to be over. We don't want to continue the fight and continue to push everything out there. He comes up with an idea of the 14 points. And I'm going to read them all to you and kind of quickly go through them. This is extremely important because his idea with the 14 points was to make the world a better place. Was to, remember, use some of those progressive move, movement ideas and push them to the world. So the first thing he says is that there's going to be no more secret alliances or secret agreements. That way we can't have this rush at a war because of one thing happens. The second thing. There is freedom of the seas. You can go from one place to the other over the ocean without anybody attacking you or without fear of it because there is freedom of seas both in peacetime and in wartime. The third thing, we're going to remove as many economic trade barriers between countries as possible. That way it's free trade throughout everything. So we're going to make the best products where they make the best products and not have anything of any of these other problems going in there. We're going to, fourth thing, we're going to reduce our stockpiles of military. We don't need all these weapons if we're not going to go to war anymore. So we're going to cut everything back. The fifth thing, we're going to adjust colonial claims and we're going to give more views to the colonized people because they have rights and says in all of this as well. Six, we're going to evacuate and restore Russian territories that were taken during the war. Seven, we're going to give Belgium their their land back eight same with france nine same with italy ten same with austria hungary but they're going to get to choose what their government is because they haven't had the chance to yet 11 we're going to redraw these boundaries throughout the balkans and 12 the same with the ottoman empire and again they're going to get something called self-determination which is all these new countries that are going to be formed they get to pick their own government 13 we're going to bring back poland and then 14, which is a big one, is that we are going to establish an association of nations to provide collective security and ensure peace. This is going to be called the League of Nations. So he presents all these ideas to the people of Europe. And the people of Europe go, nope, that's, that's not going to happen. Germany started this war, and because Germany started this war, they must pay for what they did. They must pay literally in terms of finances and in terms of everything else. And some of the things they must pay are called reparations. They owe money now to France and Italy and England because they started a war with them. All, basically, of Woodrow Wilson's ideas are failed and gone. The League of Nations, however, is accepted. As this is all going on, so now we've got to convince all the people of the United States that they want to have this as a treaty. Because remember, the Senate passes the treaties at the end of the day. This is all going on over there. And just like we have today with the uh, pandemic of COVID-19, they had something called the influenza pandemic, or the uh, we call it unfortunately now the Spanish flu, but it's also known as the great pandemic or the flu pandemic of 1918. You think this pandemic is bad. Back then, 50 million people across the world are going to die, 675,000 Americans. That's three times what we're at now. Now, our pandemic we're at now isn't over, but Hopefully we don't get to that level across the world. Because this is going on, it makes people doubt Woodrow Wilson, just like we doubt Trump because of his beliefs and all of that. And because of that, they are going to reject the Treaty of Versailles, which is formed. 
So there's three different groups of people that reject it. The first one's the irreconcilables. They believe that there shouldn't be a treaty to end this war. And the idea of a League of Nations is idealistic and unrealistic. It's a great idea and thought, but it's never going to work. We're also suspicious of actions and intents of other countries in the League of Nations. So we just want to keep America, America, leave everybody else out of this. And we're, we're not going to agree to this, con to this treaty. The second group of people is a group of people called the Reservationists. And they just want to modify it. And they believe uh, the League of Nations is going to remove congressional power to declare war, make it also unconstitutional. They are also going to... Uh, disagree with you know that we should defend other League of Nations under certain not, under certain situations then there's the people who supported the treaty uh, and they want to be a part and they're called Wilson Democrats this has split our country throughout this entire time and the United States never actually ratifies this treaty and because the United States never actually ratifies this treaty what ultimately happens is that we never join the League of Nations so there's now this world government out there that we are not a part of and as we are emerging as a world power us not being a part of of this situation is detrimental and that'll bring us into the next step after World War I. Thank you all very much for listening. Have a great rest of your day. If you need anything, you have any questions, please reach out. There's a way to do it on the podcast uh, if you click on the right links and everything like that. If you actually want to do it, send me an email and I'll help you out. Have a good day, everybody. Bye.